Simmons. Is this the dagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back. Trap. Wall. See ya. Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. If you own a business, you know how difficult it can be to get new clients. But what if you had your own sales team? BNI Somerset invites you to join us on Thursday, September 23rd to learn about how BNI Somerset provides a positive, supportive, and structured environment for the development and exchange of quality business referrals. Struggling to find more paying clients or want to take your business to the next level? Our group of business owners have passed hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business to one another. Want to know how we did it? On Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m., we're hosting an event on Zoom where we show you exactly how B&I Somerset generated client after client for one another and how you could begin to apply the same simple steps to your business, too. The reality is, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. B&I Somerset is incredible for building your personal brand and ensuring you are known. Join Somerset BNI's Visitor Day on Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m. via Zoom. All are welcome. For more info, visit BNIWNE.com backslash CT Northern Somerset BNI. Businesses thrive by changing when the world changes, and the world is changing. BNI Somerset can make sure you don't get left behind. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner men punching in. With a punch of chance, we find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet a step and late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bring in crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry of curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs hello ladies and gentlemen it's not saturday but it is still fight day and we are here with throwing jabs, Big J's Joe Guire, Jared Jones as always. But and we do have fights tonight. The big fights are tonight, and we got some other fights tomorrow. We'll talk about all those later. But first, let's recap what happened last weekend. Starting off with Katie Taylor retains her undisputed women's lightweight crown, dominates Jennifer Hahn. Uh, I thought Han had a had a chance. Former featherweight champ, a little bit bigger. We saw how Katie Taylor struggled with uh, Jonas. I thought the the size might be a problem. It, it wasn't. Katie Taylor does did what Katie Taylor does, and I, I mean we can talk about the fight. I, there's not a lot to talk about. She dominated. 
But how does Katie Taylor cement her legacy even more? I don't see anything else she can do. Like, how does she reach to the top? How does she get to the level of Floyd Mayweather as far as maybe the public? I mean, she's there. She's on another level as far as the, the us hardcore fans know how good Katie Taylor is. But what does she have to do to get to the casual's eye? Joe? Well, you know, the the problem here is I think you need a great rival when you want to be on the casuals, as you put it, list. You know what I mean? If if you want if you want to be that much of a household name, you've got to be known for a fight. And I've been saying this since we've been doing this show. I, I wish there was somebody who really could match skills with Katie Taylor. Because I still think she would knock him out, you know what I mean, or knock him for a loop. But it would be nice to see there be somebody of her caliber. This is like watching Michael Jordan in the '80s, where or or Tiger Woods in the in the '90s, where like that person is so much further ahead oh that it it you know uh, oh UConn women's basketball for the last I don't know thirty years, where just it, nobody has a chance in it, and it's hard to kind of hard to rank people when they don't have that great rivalry with somebody where there was, that was one, that guy was two. It was close. Nobody's close to Katie Taylor right now. And this proved it. I mean, this was complete domination. Yeah, if, if she went uh, 12 rounds with each of the 12, one round apiece with each of the Washington generals, I think that would uh, cement her legacy. She is the Harlem Globetrotter of women's boxing. I said if maybe if Loma was female, that I mean that'd be something. But um, it's Katie Taylor all day. Now, if you look at BoxRec's rankings, I always like to talk about the math. Um, some of her competition, she just needs more fights to get up on that list because number one's Pursun, who she beat twice. And number two is Serrano, and that's got to be next up on the list. Is Serrano comes up, fights Katie Taylor. She's tall, she's long. That'd be that'd be a good fight. And I gotta call out Jordan Maldonado. Did you guys hear what this guy said? I'm kind no. of ashamed at the internet that it took two days to come out. At the end of, uh, did you see Amanda Serrano's fight? Yes. Um, on the undercard uh, of. Uh, yes. Paul and Woodley. Yes. The co-main yes. Yeah. Uh, Yamilith Mercado was her name. Um, and she fought her heart out and got her ass whooped round after round. Brutal, brutal fight. This is one of those whoopings most people don't take. Most people would have went away by then. And this asshole, excuse me, Jordan Maldonado, um, I challenge you to take all the punches that that fighter took. I challenge you to a fight myself. You're a little bit out of my weight class, but I'm down, homie. Um, this guy comes up after the fight at Serrano's trainer and said, we thought she was going to fight like a real Mexican. And it is one of the more shameful comments I've ever heard somebody make. He was jumping in front of her, just trying to be on the camera, saying outlandish things. Uh, Mercado's team has wanted to take action against this. 
I looked it up. Uh, the a full day had passed, and then the morning after the morning after the fights, I looked this up and couldn't find much about it. Now you type in their names and you'll find it all over the internet. Uh, not something you're supposed. I thought she was gonna fight like a real Mexican. If I could have jumped through the screen, like some people, he wasn't trying to be the heel. That's something that. But how do you guys feel about that in general? The uh, the uh, nationalist kind of kind of um, footsteps that boxing takes. I know this is a little bit off topic, but it bothers me sometimes. They say Mexican, Puerto Rican, Cuban. You expect certain things from certain guys based on what country they're fighting out of or what country they grew up in. Um, they're, they're supposed to live up to some, some moniker set by, by history. When there are, you know, tall, fast Ukrainian guys that'll kick your butt. I, I, just, I just think it's a good time for us as a society and, and inside of our sport to kind of stay, take a step away from that. You know, if it's Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I'm okay with that. But the long rivalry between Mexican and Puerto Rican rivalries, and we just use the nationality of the fighter to promote well, something that we're not getting along about anyways, <laughs> most of the time. I don't no, know. I, I well, listen, hold on. Wait, that. wait, Chase, real quick. I, I, I have to issue a public apology. I did last week uh, suggest that your Dennis Ugas was not a typical Cuban boxer. And that was wrong of me. He's just a regular boxer who happens to live in Cuba. <laughs> My apologies to everybody on the island uh, and anyone else I may have offended with my comments. So, but sarcasm aside, I hear the announcers, especially on some of these shows from um, from uh, overseas, some of these European shows, and they expect certain things from certain nationalities and things come out of their mouth that for, from time to time they throw me back that you're just saying that. And this was um, kind of an extreme example of that. I thought she would fight like a Mexican. You're talking about 1% of people on the globe that could take the kind of punishment she took. And still be there at the end to have to, to have somebody else tell her she lost beside a doctor. That was that I that was outrageous that he would say such a thing. No, I, I I'm with you, but I think if you can preface it by saying coming always coming forward, looking for those body shots, stuff that we've seen guys in the past, Canelo Alvarez, uh, Julio Cesar Chavez, all these great Mexican. Fighters, they they've had. There is a game. There's a template, like Joe, like you said. I understand, but if you're, if you're gonna say it, just saying it outright, it's gonna sound bad. But if you do preface it by saying these are the fundamentals that Mexican boxers are brought up with, and you're saying the the body work, the coming forward. Well, well again, listen. Hold on, hold on. Listen. That there's we've run into with with there's with, listen with, there's with, listen our head. I knew you were describing Mexican fighters when you made that list. I knew it was going to be Mexican. Why? Because I'm conditioned to believe they're moving forward and throwing a lot of body punches. And when she's on her back foot and trying her best to stay in it and still biting down on her mouthpiece and trading punches, just because she's not on her foot, she's not a real Mexican. You're encouraging that crap. 
Right. But again, you know, again, to go back to what I said last week or, or two weeks ago about Ugas not being a typical Mexican fighter. Right. And it wasn't it wasn't said right, but it wasn't said in a derogatory manner, just that this guy fights in a different style to to say again, he was speaking in a derogatory manner in, in saying she wasn't fighting like a Mexican. And again, so it's the connotation and, and it stuns me, Jared, and you and I have talked about this on some of our other programs on the network about people who, you know, that, that uh, can't, can't quite make that connection when it's happening in real time in front of them. You, you can tell when someone's intending to be racist or is otherwise, you know, disregarding people's feelings. And then there's when somebody says something out of pure ignorance well, was it was like, it Dick Emberg uh, uh, talking about the Williams sisters oh. and how smart they were? The kind of you could really talk to them, uh, and his broadcast partner just slowly. <laughs> Oops! You're on your own, Dick. Um, yeah, you know. So, listen, I feel bad for something like that, or you know, you look at uh, last year. Tom was it Tom Brenneman, uh, the Cincinnati Reds announcer. Uh, who uh, had had some things to say about homosexuals coming back from the break and uh, no longer works there. And actually, in the middle of his, his apology, stopped to call a home run. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> some of them do have nappy hair, I miss, but you weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> you know, again, it's it's in it's to me, it, it always comes down to your to exactly uh, context and 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 what your intent was. I mean, if you're. I can forgive an old man for being stupid. I can forgive somebody who says something that is, you know, nah, he didn't mean it that way. And then there's somebody who just completely uh, is speaking in a derogatory manner in a, in a racial fashion. I mean, it's time to get over it. And by the way, let me point out this. You know, we have a big problem with racism in this country. And some people seem to think that like Europe is this utopia. I mean, it's it, the racism is awful everywhere on the globe, except for Antarctica. So you know, don't 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 kid yourself. It's I mean, you know, I, you've seen uh, soccer matches all over Europe where they throw bananas at African players. That's a, that's, I mean, come on. Well, and it's, that's everywhere. Why I say. it's everywhere. And, and, and it's, I'm glad we talk about it. You know, the, uh, Tony just put up the, the comment, Bernard Hopkins say never lose to a white boy. I, who, why? Who cares? You know, I've talked to before about, um, Oh, what's his face? Who took the belt? Uh, early eighties. Tyson beat him up. Holmes, Larry Holmes. Uh, Larry Holmes was, uh, said that everybody hated him because he was black. They they loved Ali and they immediately loved Tyson. Maybe you're an asshole. Maybe it was that. <laughs> you know, I, I the other thing too. I've talked about Khabib Nurmagomedov. He is a Russian and a Muslim, and he's one of the most beloved guys in MMA. It's it doesn't have to be about race, religion, or creed. Look beyond that. You you can have a hero that's a woman, who's black, who's a Muslim. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it, we got to start getting over that stuff and, and, that. and looking at the core person. I love that you said that, Joe. And that's kind of why I asked the question, because the Cuban comment you made, the way Jace addressed it with Mexican fighters, in context, I agree with all of that stuff. But if we're not 
looking, taking that piece out of context and addressing it and seeing where it could that that you know that may be the seed of some of these Jordan Maldonado type comments then we're not doing our diligence as uh, members of the media. So I appreciate you guys. Hilarious, Tony, just because Tony writes the <laughs> script. A comment I wrote about Ugas is because boxers on the Cuban national team are all trained the same way to be defensive-minded. And Ugas, he don't like no defense. Yeah. yeah. Don't I, like it. Just it all comes down to context is key. We are on so many different podcasts. We have a bunch of content out there. You can take a clip from anyone, me, Joe, or Jared, and something might sound wrong, but context is key. You, you always got to – I mean, I, in the world we're in with a lot of Karens, people like to to pick and choose what uh, to get mad about, but context is always key. But Jordan Maldonado is an asshole. No, right? yes, for sure. Well, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sometimes context is key, that context. Bad contact. All right. But, it, J- Jared, I, we, we didn't get you, – you got off on a little tangent there. What does Katie Taylor got to do? Like, how does she cement her legacy even more? How? Uh, beat Serrano, uh, win three or four more fights, retire undefeated. I don't think there's – like Joe said, I don't think there's that person that you're going, ooh, when she fights – she doesn't have a Savannah Marshall. I was thinking about this earlier. Clarissa Shields could beat Savannah Marshall and convince me that she's one of the best. I want to see you two fight each other because right now I don't even know who the best at that weight class is because it's one of you two. Katie Taylor, all of those weight classes. Serrano's the only one that can make an argument. Let's do it. Let's find out. And I think Katie Taylor, you know, wins pretty handily. But uh, that's that's a fight I'm actually looking forward to. Of everyone she's fought, that's the one that's like, ooh, I've been waiting for this. Amanda Serrano, Katie Taylor. They'll schedule it soon. Mark it down. It's the next one. I, I do. I, I, I like that. But, I mean, it's. I, I think the best way for her – yeah, she. Tony is right. She's already a legend. She's already a future Hall of Famer. She doesn't have to do anything more, but to get to that next level as far as outside of the ring, the only thing I can see her doing is making the move to UFC or MMA. And I, I don't really I don't want to see that. I, I, I no, I, I I'm with you, Jared. I, I don't want to see that either. If this were a couple years ago, and if you, I could see her doing like a Holly Holm thing, but MMA has evolved. I don't think she would translate that well to the MMA. But Mind I, I, you, she's click just... that button, active, inactive. Katie Taylor, 125 points, puts her at 25th all-time females with 125. 300 is what she's chasing. Holly Holm, greatest female boxer of all time. Skill-wise, Katie Taylor can get with her. But strictly numbers, wins, and losses, it's Holly Holm all day and uh yeah what more can katie taylor do that's the thing is she doesn't have those wins to come by she doesn't have those uh, holly home had draws with people that helped her out along the way you know so and uh katie taylor really doesn't have that and i don't like the move to mma don't do that you've been doing the same thing your whole life uh heather hardy tried that 
and yeah. it was due to not being able to get to big enough fights. I think Katie Taylor's getting getting pretty good chunks for this and should keep doing it for another half dozen fights or retire undefeated. Uh, I agree with Tony. We, we do ask a, a lot of fighters to do this stuff to make the big fights because we, we want to see Katie Taylor challenged. I, I want to see her challenged. I want to see what it looks like. When she's actually on. Hey, you know what? Listen, last year, last year. If we could go back and take away Loma Lopez, don't we? He was too big. And we didn't learn who the better boxer was or who the better fighter was because it was Loma in both instances. He was just a bigger guy. We don't want to take that blemish back. We don't want Orlando Salido not to be his first trip out or take that third judge that was out of his nest. And I mean... No, I don't want to see her move up and move up and move up until he, she loses. Two championship M, uh, MMA heavyweight uh, title bouts have happened, and Stipe Miocic has been nowhere to be found, not even asked to, to, to join. So, yeah, there's the, that's an issue. That's an issue. But, again, listen, we, we know how great Katie Taylor is. You know, uh, to me, uh, Amanda Nunes, Valentina, one more time. Why not? Why not? Why not do that one? Why? Why not give that to the fans? Even if, even if uh, Nunes wins it, great. You know, plenty of people have won uh, all three fights in a trilogy. That's that's always kind of neat when you have that, and it would just again kind of cement how great Amanda Nunes is. For sure. So I don't know. I wish I just. I wish, you know, think about Mahomes and, and Brady last year in the Super Bowl and that idea that he was going to kind of hand, which was stupid, hand the reins off to Mahomes. Like, here, you win the Super Bowl now. Um, you know, we kind of like that idea. Again, I think you need that. You need that rival. You need, Rocky needed Apollo Creed. That was, yeah. that's what made it, you know? Yeah. I, I just, really, I just want to see Katie Taylor get the respect she deserves. Because, I mean, doing this, it's great. We can respect her. But this is someone that people need to know. And Jake Paul. Jake Paul. Beat up Jake Paul. Yeah, let's do it. She would destroy Jake Paul. It, it, people, More people know Jake Paul. More people think Jake Paul is a better boxer than Katie Taylor. That I, there were people, if you go up on the street, say, who's a better boxer, Katie Taylor or Jake Paul? Everyone say Jake Paul because they don't know who Katie Taylor is. That's that's ridiculous. That's wild. Katie Taylor sounds like the girl whose house got busted Saturday night and you went running out of the yard. Big party at Katie Taylor's house. Uh, <laughs> that's great. But uh, all right, we spoke a little bit about MMA. Let's let's head into it. Derek Brunson submits Darren Till rear naked choke third round. Uh, I I was terrible this past week. I, I picked Darren Till to get it done. I I, I don't know. I, I just I, I guess I just like problematic fighters. I picked Kevin Gaslam a couple weeks ago. Now I picked Darren Till. That I I, I don't know. You know what you got to start doing is looking at their record. Judgment. I'm going to let you guys talk. Go ahead. You, you, uh, yeah. Listen, look at their records. <laughs> what, what on Darren Till's list of fights made you? He, this guy doesn't beat anybody. He is law. I mean, the, the same with Gastelum. And and listen, I love the they, they fight the best in the world. Well, yeah, but you don't beat any of them. <laughs> 
You know, we talk about how great Dustin Poirier is, right? Dustin Poirier, with the last last couple of years, he's been fighting everybody. Also beating them, with the exception of Khabib. So just fighting the best, well, that means that you've lost to the best. That means you're not at that level. And let's stop pretending Darren Till is. Because not for nothing, as hot as Derek Brunson is, he doesn't exactly jump to, like, top of mind for best guy in the division. Not making anybody's pound-for-pound lists. Darren Till's a bum. Michael Bisping called him the C-word, and I have to agree. Um, yeah. I And he, and he look, last week I was talking about Till, how would he win? He's going to be dominated, stand up, dominated on the ground. I don't see where he can win grappling nothing. He almost killed himself making weight and was slightly above average at best doing that. Now he's moving up, and this guy's going to be too big and too good. And that was everything that happened. His last finish was October of 2017. That's the last time he finished somebody in an octagon. Shit, I've knocked somebody else's. <laughs> yeah, right? Come on, dude. Again, what does this guy have to do to prove to you that he's not that good? Yeah, he's just not. Yeah, I guess I'm still buying the hype from years ago. But I I, I, I do think out of all the problematic, all the Kelvin Gaslam's, I, I think Darren Till has the best chance to get – he's still pretty young – I think he can still. He has his. He's really. I, I like. I love his stand up game. I Who's don't he know, gonna beat? I, he just needs to stay active and give stay, me a fight. Give me a fight active. that he's gonna win next. Schedule me a fight. Give me an opponent that you think he's gonna beat. Right now, no one. But I do think that he. He has, the talent. That. he has the skills. Fight Kevin does he? Holland. To, Fight I, I Kevin think he Holland. does. You he needs to win. Yes. Kevin Holland. That's there you the go. Loser goes home. And yeah, Darren yeah. Till will I, not. I, we don't have to watch the loser fight anymore. How does that sound? <laughs> yep. And Darren Till ain't going to wrestle Kevin Holland. So that, that should actually be. There you fight. go. Yeah, that's a fight Holland should be begging for. Oh, yeah. It's a great fight. But I do think Till has the skills. If he stay, if he stays healthy, stays active, I, I think he can work his way back to some sort of limelight. I, I don't know if he can get – I think he can work his way back to the title. Maybe – I don't see him winning it, but I, I think he has – he has the skills to get it done. He just it, – it's all the stuff outside of the octagon and the injuries and him taking these long hiatuses – that really hurt him because I, I do think I think he has what it takes to get to that level, but it, it just isn't coming up for him. He's getting better and better and has the power to beat anybody. By the way, the first time he fought Israel Adesanya, he was in the middle of a funk. He lost uh, four out of six fights. The fight uh, going into uh, the Adesanya fight, he lost to Ronaldo Souza. Um it wasn't a great time for Derek Brunson, who at five in a row uh, is is really at the top of his game. That said, I think he would have to fight like a perfect fight against Adesanya. There'd have to be a lot of takedowns. You'd have to really. I mean, and I I don't know. I don't know that Derek Brunson. Obviously, Marvin Vittori couldn't. 
the idea that you're going to take down and hold down Israel Adesanya the way Jan Blahovitz did, not going to happen in this division. It just that that's not going to be a formula. It looks like for anybody to beat Izzy uh, in in this one. So I, I do think Brunson per, does stand a little bit of a better chance than Vittori to get it to the ground and do something against Adesanya. But Brunson, like we saw, he has gotten better on his win streak, but he does sometimes just want want to stand and come running with his chin up and gets knocked out like he did with Jacare twice and Adesanya. So I think Brunson has the skills to beat Adesanya. Is he going to? No. Are we going to see the rematch as the next? Middleweight uh, title fight, probably. And that just shows how – I don't know. Does that show how bad the middleweight division is or just how good Adesanya is? That it's rematch after rematch and we expect Adesanya to get it done every time. A little bit of both. Okay. All right. Okay. Now let's get into some fun stuff. But – First, we have a special, special message from Mosquito Shield. It's been a pretty wet summer in Connecticut, and that means more mosquitoes than ever. If you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside flooding those little pests, you are in luck. Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. Question is, who you got protecting you from mosquitoes? Mosquito Shield. Make sure when you sign up for their services, you tell them that the guys at Throwing Jab sent you, and they'll help you out. So, now, the who you got. Football season. Started up last night, and Jared, I mean, he left because his Cowboys, utter yeah. sad. I, I can't imagine what his house was like watching he that. Pushed what- he pushed <laughs> off. He pushed off. Godwin pushed off. Oh, yeah, he pushed off, but uh, Zerline and those kicks. Hey, listen, quick. Yeah, Zerline <laughs> and the damn kicks, but Ezekiel Elliott, 11 carries for, for 33 yards. You had some three and outs that lasted like a minute or two, took a minute or two off the clock tops. If Zeke gets 20 carries, at the end of the third quarter, it was 30 minutes to 15 at time of possession. You just give him a couple more carries, soak up a little bit more clock, and hit the kicks. It's You win by 10. There was some yeah. play calling disasters there. But this who you got was the Cowboys? No, no, no. I just got back. <laughs> who you got? A fantasy fighter yeah, I love this one, Jace. This one. Lineup for using combat sports athletes. QB, running back, wide receiver, a defensive player, a kicker, and a tight end. Those are what we got. 
how are you going to fill out your fantasy lineup using combat sports athletes, Joe? Oh, are we going one pick out? He doesn't get all seven right now. No, he? no, this isn't a draft. I put that in the notes. This isn't a draft. Just what you think. I just want to know oh, where right, your head's right. at, who you got where. You want me to just give you my list? You want me to tick off the list? Yeah, who's your quarterback? I don't want to start a quarterback. I actually want to start a kicker. Okay. His name is Edson Barboza. He's the best kicker in MMA. Uh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Let's go around the horn. Jared, who's your kicker? Uh, Peter Yan. Dude, I was going to put him. I was going to put him, really? but it was a knee, not a kick. And I thought, let me go kicker. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, being being considered the best kicker in MMA, I just I couldn't help myself. I feel like, though, if we lined Barbosa and Jan up out on a football field for a 30 yarder and put a ball in front of him, Peter Jan's out kicking Barbosa. But I uh, know you got Jay. Well, not to mention, I like to see Jan on those special teams after he kicks the ball off. No one's no one's running one back with Jan. <laughs> that ain't happening. Uh, no, uh, I, I had Edson as well. Another guy that, I mean, we, we said current fighters for this. Khabib just signed a contract to play professional soccer. So he's got to be good at kicking, right? Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, Joe. Give me your defense. I like player. Tony said Shevchenko. I almost said that for kicker. Ooh, that would, hey, I like it. I like, I like it. I hate to say it. I was only thinking men for this because it's football. Is that sexist? It is a little bit, but I I didn't know the parameters. I just created it in my head. Um, it's it's the patriarchy. Uh, my defensive player, and to be honest, this guy could probably play any position on defense. His name is Francis Ngannou, and he destroys human beings. He's amazingly athletic. And freakishly strong. You want him on the inside, the outside linebacker? This guy could probably play safety as well. I think he could cover nine out of 11 positions. That's fair. I like that. Yeah. Jared, I thought a lot. Jace, at linebacker. Jace, this is the stupidest thing I've ever loved that you did on this show for who you got. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, I was too. like, oh, this is so stupid. I love it, though. And I really did a lot of I put a lot of thought. I, <laughs> I spent a lot more time on this than I should have. And I, I don't know who's, I who's your defensive, Jace. I, I hadn't gotten to a DT, but I another honorable mention. Dominic Reyes. Look up highlights of him at Hawks. Oh, yeah. He was Fair. a beast safety. Yep. He was a beast at safety. Mm-hmm. I think I got you guys again. Uh, and again, if we're drafting a whole team and getting on a field and playing football, give me defensive end, Greg Hardy. Okay, yeah. No, that's probably the best defensive end <laughs> in MMA. <laughs> That's really good. That was Eric Jared. Anders you know, is I tried to go with like too. the most obvious answer, like thought, you know, again, kicker Barbosa. He's got a leg. Everybody knows it. Defense. I'm thinking in Ganu, but yeah, you know what? I'm putting if him given, on the football field is how I, I would be. It. Right, dude. That's like, listen, if if uh, when Pete Rose was in jail, I'm sure he was on the on the softball team, right? <laughs> Do you pick him first or the you, you got to figure it's like Pete, whatever position you want, you can lead off. That's cool. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right. 
But Joe, tight end, who you got? All right. It's important, and I'm going to – by the way, uh, because weight becomes a factor in all of my next picks, and, and I'll be talking about walk-around weight, and I actually went and looked up everybody's walk-around weight just to make sure I wasn't full of crap. My pick here, uh, he's normally six foot six, 205 pounds with an 81-inch reach. His walk-around weight, 235. I just saw a picture of him today. He's 240. He didn't have anything coming up. His name is Johnny Walker. That's a big, big man. That's a big target. That guy looks like he could catch some balls. Uh, (laughs) Dude, I got nothing. Um, (laughs) My tight end. uh, Good thing he's a tight end. Um, Cyril gone all day. Smart. Crafty, good feet, good hands. I just think he'd be okay learning a playbook and going out there pushing people around. You know, you got Ngannou at middle linebacker. I got Ghana at tight end. We got a collision coming over the middle, and I'm I'm ready. I like my guy. Make him miss, Cyril. He's Damn. good at making him miss. I don't know. Going over the middle like that, uh, the French like aren't exactly Jeff known for their bravery. I love it. I thought he was going to play tight end like a real French. (laughs) (laughs) All right. For me, satire, by the way, for anybody who missed that. If you're satire, don't take it out of context. Uh, All right. For me, tight end. In the history of football, former basketball players do pretty damn well at tight end. So I got someone who grew up playing basketball, also grew up in the state of Alabama where everything's about football. Deontay Wilder, 6'7", beast, going up, grabbing the ball. So I got Deontay Wilder as my tight end. Okay, I could go with that. I like that a lot. That one was closer. All right, Joe, wide receiver. He's six foot four, 185 pounds. Can you imagine Israel Adesanya on the slant, stiff arming a cornerback and just taking that thing down the sideline? Yeah, Izzy's my guy. That's a, again, big target. Who's taking that guy down? That guy's going over the middle and you're not living. I like that. I like that. Thank you. Jared? Go ahead, Jace. Who you got a wide out? All right. So, I mean, you could go both ways. I like what you did there, Joe, the big guy. I'm going to go the Wes Welker type. And as someone who is known for his speed in the octagon, TJ Dillashaw, I think he's a guy that can get in those weird spots, find the first down marker, just little dumps, and he can get the ball and get it where it needs to be. 8.9 8.9 yards per reception kind of a guy. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Oh, I'm second guessing my pick here. Uh-oh. I mean, I Ooh. think I got I think I got to run with it, but Oh, man. Come on. Yeah, I got You know what? I'm going to sidestep Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at six foot 170. 
little undersized, but I think he'd make a great wide out and go even smaller. Looking for that Tyreek Hill type, a guy named Regis Prograce would be oh, my wide receiver. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, Joe. Running back. Who you got? He fights six foot tall, 170 pounds, but his walk around weight is between 190 and 200. Again, I'd like to see somebody tackle my running back, Marty Kamara Usman. Imagine trying to take that beast down, dude. That guy going up the middle. Forget about it. Who's taking him down? Who's taking that guy down? No professional fighters can take him down. There you go. For real. Thought a lot about this, so fellas. You took my running back. Yes. I'm gonna say that feels good. I, that I, feels I can good. imagine. So I'm gonna give you uh I'm gonna give you my scat back. Uh and I you in a way. I would love to see what that guy does on a football field. Human joystick type stuff, I bet. If he's anything like he is in the ring, is one of the fastest guys alive right now in combat sports. So I'm taking a shot here running back only because Usman's gone in a way. All right. I, I like that. I, I'm going the same route as Usman, but I like my running backs to be just a little bit smaller and a little bit more yoked. And I'm going to go Tyron Woodley. I think he's just as good with takedown defense. I mean, he struggled the past couple fights. He he was at the at his height one of the best takedown defenders in all of football. But he's also got that power. He's got that truck. He's gonna run people over. So I got Tyron Woodley. The problem with that pick is that he's Marshawn Lynch at this point. He's because uh, he's like thirty seven. 40, how, what is he, 40? Marshawn Lynch came back and was scoring touchdowns for the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, in but he's not way, playing a full season, not like our guy, Usman. Usman's running for 1,800 small. yards and 20 touchdowns. I got one more running back, uh, Joe's guy, Marvin Vittori. I think straight ahead, strong. I don't expect him to be very fast, but tough to tackle and durable when the rest of these guys get football injuries because they're fighters. Vittori will be one of those. I love the Usman pick. I don't think you're getting a better running back than that. I'll take uh, Inouye and Vittori. All right. It's time. It's QB time. Joe, who you got leading your team? Before I tell you who my my lead guy is, uh, I want a flex guy. I just thought about this. My flex guy is Nate Diaz. I'll find a spot for Nate. I don't know why. I, I just want him on this team. I don't care if he's holding a clipboard as my backup quarterback or if he's my my second wide receiver. I don't care, but I just feel like I need Nate Diaz on this team. My quarterback uh, has a, a very similar build. He's an inch taller in the same weight as Patrick Mahomes. He's six foot four, 230 pounds. Joe Rogan has called him the smartest guy in MMA. His name is John Bones Jones. I would love to see Aaron Donald try to sack John Jones. Again, who's taking this guy down? Nobody. Yeah, I like Damn. that. 
I'm actually surprised no we we didn't have John Jones for anything else. He's wide got out. two he brothers playing wide out. I think yeah. He's got two yeah, great brothers at the end. So I'd imagine yeah. he's got some skill there I too. Been mad I didn't put him at wide receiver. Jared, who's your QB? Uh, my quarterback is uh, the most athletic, smartest, perhaps guy in all of sports when it comes to his craft. Um, it's musical. It looks like he's dancing out there. Love this. And I think his feet in the pocket, if he was accurate, you're looking at a Drew Brees type. And it's really the guy you want leading your ball club. That's the biggest problem I have with John Jones. He might be the better quarterback. But is this the guy you want leading that ragtag bunch? He might be a Jameis Winston. Yeah, a bit of a Jameis Winston. So I've got Lomachenko. Love it. That's great. I'm taking Lomac quarterback because I think he's smart. He's going to do the right thing, and he's got good enough feet to free himself up. I like that. I like it. For me, my big determining factor for quarterback is calm, cool, and collected under chaos. When it is two-minute drill and you got to go 75 yards, who are you going to – who are you going to take to be relaxed and able to run the offense? And I got a man who is, geez. Yes. He's so great. (laughs) The one of the best under chaos. One of the, he thrives in those fight in a phone booth type settings. Max Holloway at my quarterback. Again, a guy you want leading the squad. Yes, a guy sir. you know you're getting 100% from on every play that's going to make the people around him better. Usman's another great, great pick there. Going to make the people around him better. Yeah, Jameis Winston and John Jones. This was fun. This was fun. <laughs> yeah, thanks for doing this. I enjoyed uh, this a lot. Jared, you had an honorable mention of head coach? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, Katie Taylor. Again, smart. Starts looking at something, breaks it down, is able to adjust and just win. Just find a way to win. So it's somebody, you know, like you said about Nate Diaz, that could be the head coach because you know you're going to get in there and do what needs to be done if Nate's your head coach. He might be whooping your ass. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I honestly, I think Nate would probably be the best at running back. You can give him 30 yards. He 30 carries a game. He could go for one yard a carry, but he'll still just keep running it and running it down. Talking and smack. Yeah. If, if I'm doing a linebacker, if yeah, that's a that's a good impression, by the way. Thanks. That was really good. Um, if I'm doing a coach, I think uh, that's great too. Um, I think if I'm doing a coach of somebody who's obviously just getting into his coaching career, uh, one of the all time greats. Khabib Nurmagomedov. Damn, I like that. Well, for me, I, I'll I'll give a coach as well. We're gonna go Daniel Cormier along the same lines as you, Joe. Brilliant. Yeah, I love it. I would yeah, love coach. it. Yeah, I like that. Been a coach the whole time. He looks like he could be a football coach, doesn't yeah. he? Oh hell yeah, <laughs> he definitely does. Oh, uh, he looks like it, it's crazy. He's got one of those. 
you you he does not look like the double champ, the heavyweight, the baddest man on the planet at the time. He just looks like your crazy uncle from from the barbecue you go to every summer. He's just that guy. But uh, all right, that was great. I, I like that. Okay, that was great. I loved all the lists. I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with any one of our picks at any position. I think they'd all do pretty damn well. But now, let's get into the fights. Starting off with tonight's fight, WBC lightweight champion. Super featherweight champion, Oscar. Whoa. The title defense comes against Olympic gold medalist Robson Conceição Friday night, September 10th in Tucson, Arizona. Let's break it down. Robson Conceição is 32 years old. He's 5'10 with a 70-inch reach and a record of 16-0 with eight knockouts. From Salvador, Bayog, Brazil, he took up boxing at age 13 to learn self-defense and quickly made the Brazilian national team, losing in his opening match at the 2008 Olympics, but going on to defeat Oscar Valdez and route to a silver medal at the 2009 Pan Am Games where he lost in the final to future Hall of Famer Vasily Lomachenko. After failing to medal at the 2012 Olympics, he held off turning pro in order to qualify for the 2016 Rio Olympics, where he made history by becoming the first Brazilian boxer to win a gold medal. After amassing an astonishing amateur record of 405-15, and 15, he made his professional debut on November 5, 2016, with a sixth-round unanimous decision over Clay Burns. He then set out on a breakneck pace for his career, scoring four straight knockouts in 2017, followed by another five dominant victories in 2018. On March 31, 2019, he fought in his home country for the first time as a pro, blowing out Argentina's Sergio Estrella halfway through the first round after dropping him multiple times. After a unanimous decision over Carlos Ruiz, he defeated countryman Eduardo Dos Reyes grinding him down with withering body attack before stopping him in round two. Following a dominant victory over Luis Correa, he took on Jesus Amuada, putting on a clinic from the opening bell before knocking him out with a straight right to the body, followed by a vicious left hook to the jaw. A hard-hitting power puncher, Conceição possesses excellent head movement and lightning-fast hands, picking off his opponents from a safe distance before breaking them down with a high volume of blistering body shots. Oscar Valdez is 30 years old. He's 5'6", with a 66-inch reach and a record of 29-0 with 23 knockouts. From Nogales, Mexico, Valdez began his amateur career at 17, winning the Youth World Boxing Championships, and the following year going on to medal in the World Amateur Championships, the Pan Am Games as well as qualifying for the 2008 and 2012 Olympics though he was eliminated in both semifinals. After compiling a record of 29-7, he made his pro debut on November 3, 2012 with a third-round TKO of Angel Prada. In his first two years, he went 9-0 with nine knockouts before winning the NABF Super Featherweight Belt, then won his next nine with seven stoppages before defeating Matthias Ruda via second-round TKO to claim the vacant WBO Featherweight title. After scoring a seventh-round knockout of Hiroshige Osawa and decisions over Miguel Mariaga and Genesis Cervania, he took on former champion Scott Quigg on November 10, 2018. In a brutal back-and-forth brawl that saw 1,509 punches thrown, 
As well as both men sustaining heavy damage, Valdez retained his title with a unanimous decision at the cost of having his jaw wired shut afterwards. Following the fight, he left his longtime coach Manny Robles for celebrated trainer Eddie Reynoso in an effort to tighten up his defense and avoid the savage brawls that were becoming more and more frequent. He defended his title twice more with a seventh-round knockout of Carmine Thomasone and a unanimous decision over Jason Sanchez before moving up to super featherweight and scoring sensational knockouts over Adam Lopez and Jason Velez. He then challenged old rival Miguel Burchelt for his WBC super featherweight title, with the original date being pushed back due to COVID-19. On February 20th, 2021, Valdez, despite being a massive underdog, put on a clinic, dropping Burchelt in the fourth round and tenth round before landing a brutal walk-off counter left hook that left the champion unconscious for several minutes. A hard-punching pressure fighter who boasts a 79% knockout rate, Valdez likes to wear his opponent's style with a constant onslaught of body shots and uses a solid double jab and excellent lateral foot movement to set up his monstrous left hook. With a quick hands coupled with the 5-inch height and 4-inch reach advantage of Sal be able to keep Valdez at bay? Will the controversy over his failed drug test be a distraction? Or will the relentless pressure and devastating power of Valdez be able to overwhelm his old rival? Tune in to Valdez vs. Kinsaysau Friday night, and let's find out. Before we get to the fight, boxing, you're already confusing with the WBC, WBA, IBF. Why you got two divisions named the same two different things junior lightweight super featherweight it doesn't he's i I guess the champ of two divisions that are the same division (laughs) but uh that's that'd be funny if they called the weight classes if they were like the champion at 135 and 135 (laughs) yeah two division what are we doing? <laughs> it's not, let's let we're gonna water down belts and divisions now. Apparently, the interim intercontinental who super <laughs> champion yeah. of there's only Ring one magazine. World, Roberto Duran said there's only one world champion of the world should be one guy. Hey, we yep. should make our own championship belt. We should make the throw and jabs champion. Well, there's a uh, weight class. There's a baddest MF belt in uh, MMA. I mean, that's, that's a real thing. It UFC. Is. The well. throwing jabs. Walter, this is for the throwing jabs. Hey, Ring Magazine has their own I like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let, let's get to this fight. Let's talk about how great Oscar Valdez is because I'll tell you what, dude. Uh, for the weight, too, this guy's power is devastating. And... uh. You know, it's interesting. Conceição, uh I don't think you see a lot of guys do this, where uh, getting a gold medal seemed to be more important than having an actual boxing career. And so he's kind of playing catch up on that. And I feel like he's just walking into the wrong guy at the wrong time. I, I mean, when you look at the the beatdown Valdez put on Burchell, I, I don't see any way that Conceição is going to be able to pull this thing out. I, I I, mean, as great as he is, he's just not at the level that Valdez is right now. 
No. Nope. Oscar Valdez. He's a 16 to 1 favorite against a gold medalist. And that's how good he is. Um, I, I'm not suggesting you take that. That's crazy. Eight to one are the odds on uh, Kinsesa. I wouldn't take that either. Uh, I think Kinsesa will lose, but those those odds are too big to uh, to do anything with it. I like Valdez. What I what I would bet here is the under. Under nine and a half is paying almost even money, and I don't think this is going to see the tenth round. I would go with you there, Jared. I was thinking like eight, seven or eight, maybe this yeah. thing goes. If that. Yeah. These are these are both guys that you don't know if they can handle the other guy. We think they can, but what I feel like once you get to a certain level and both guys are fighting something they've never seen before, that the odds of it going the distance decrease significantly. And I, I take the under here. <clears throat> I, I I want to I want to make it a clean sweep, but Tony does bring up a good point. Where was that? That he just I bring it back to fights in the past. Whenever you guys are always on the, the smaller guy, sometimes the bigger guy comes out on top. I'll, I'll go can say cow to get it done, but I, I do I, I do. I, I like Oscar Valdez. I like, especially since he linked up with Reynoso, he's just looked like that top level of this division, and he's looked great. But, I mean, the bigger guy sometimes is just decides. Valdez is also deadly accurate with his punches. I mean, it's, boy, it's going to be a good fight. That's all I can tell you. It's going to be a good fight. It's going to be one you want to watch. Hell yeah. This is now, this is two two great professionals. Yeah, but th- this is the fight of the weekend on a Friday night. Now I'm gonna preface this before we go on to our next fight. I'm not gonna be watching it live. I'm gonna be tuned in to college football. Cause uh I've seen I've seen a Vander Holyfield fight. I've seen Vitor Belfort fight. I've seen them fight at their best. And uh, this ain't it. We ain't getting it Saturday (laughs) night. We ain't going to get that. It's going to be cool for a little bit. I mean, Donald Trump's going to be on the call. If you like that, go ahead. Watch it. I mean, but. There's a market for that. There is. There is. And there's a market for this. So let's break it down. Saturday night, it's Triller Fight Club Legends 2, headlined by former UFC light heavyweight champion Vitor Belfort, taking on boxing heavyweight legend Evander Holyfield, who comes out of retirement as a late-notice replacement for Oscar De La Hoya. Let's break it down. Vitor Belfort, 44 years old, he's 6 foot with a 74-inch reach and a record of 26 and 14 with 18 knockouts. From Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, Belfort began training in boxing at the age of 12 and after being scouted by Carlson Gracie, was invited to begin training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at Gracie's gym where he would eventually earn his black belt. 
He made his MMA debut on October 11th, 1996 with a first round TKO of John Hess, then won his next four, including a first round knockout of Tank Abbott before losing via TKO to UFC legend Randy Couture. He then won seven of his next nine, which included a decision loss to Chuck Liddell and a first-round knockout victory over Vanderlei Silva before getting his revenge on Couture with a first-round knockout to win the UFC light heavyweight title. He lost the title back to the natural seven months later, then dropped four of his next six, including decision losses to Tito Ortiz, Alistair Overeem, and Dan Henderson before defeating James Zerkic by decision to win the Cage Rage light heavyweight title. Ten months later, he made his middleweight debut with a first round knockout of Terry Martin and followed that up with brutal knockouts of Matt Lindland and Rich Franklin before challenging all-time great Anderson Silva for the UFC middleweight title losing via savage front kick to the jaw in round one. He bounced back with a first round knockout of Yoshihiro Akuyami and a rear naked choke of Anthony Rumble Johnson, but then suffered a fourth round submission to champion John Jones. Four months later, he returned scoring three consecutive knockouts by head kick over Michael Bisping, Luke Rockhold, and Dan Henderson before getting stopped in the first round in his second run at the middleweight title, this time to champion Chris Weidman. After another head kick knockout of old rival Dan Henderson, he then only managed to win one of his last fights, a decision over Nate Marquardt and suffering stoppage losses to Jacare Souza, Gegard Mousasi, and Kelvin Gaslam, which was overturned to a no contest when Gaslam failed a drug test. He finally announced his retirement on May 12, 2018, after suffering a vicious front kick knockout to Lyoto Machida. One of the most formidable and enduring fighters in UFC history, Belfort is a balanced, well-rounded counter-striker with excellent footwork and explosive one-punch knockout power with a background in boxing, having won his lone boxing match by TKO in 2006. Evander the Real Deal Holyfield, 58 years old, he's 6 foot 2 and a half with a 77 and a half inch reach and a record of 44, 10, 2 and 1 with 29 knockouts. From Atlanta, Georgia, Holyfield grew up the youngest of nine children in a crime infested housing project, taking up boxing at the age of seven, winning a local youth tournament. At 15, he competed in his first Junior Olympics, then won the National Golden Gloves title and went on to win a bronze medal in the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics. 
after amassing an amateur record of 160 and 14 with 76 knockouts, he made his professional debut in Madison Square Garden on November 15, 1984, with a six-round decision, then won his next 10 in a row with eight knockouts before winning the WBA Cruiserweight title in an all-time classic with Dwight Muhammad Kawi. Over his next six fights, he unified the cruiserweight titles with knockouts over Ricky Parkey and Carlos De Leon, as well as scoring stoppages over Ozzy Ocosio and Kawi in their rematch before making his heavyweight debut with the seventh round stoppage of James Quick Tillis. After scoring TKOs over notables Michael Dokes and Pinklin Thomas, he won the undisputed heavyweight championship with a thunderous counter right cross knockout of lineal champion Buster Douglas. He defended his crown three times with victories over George Foreman, Burt Cooper, and Larry Holmes before losing his titles via unanimous decision to Riddick Bowe on November 13, 1992. He regained the WBA and IBF belts with a decision over Bowe only to lose them a second time by decision to Michael Moorer. After losing the trilogy fight to Bo via stoppage, he took on longtime rival Iron Mike Tyson on November 9, 1996, winning the WBA title via 11th round TKO. In the rematch the following June, he retained his belt when, after three brutal rounds, Tyson was disqualified for biting off the top of Holyfield's ear in one of the most controversial fights in boxing history. He went on to win the IBF belt with an eighth round stoppage of Michael Moore, then engaged in two lackluster unification fights with WBC champion Lennox Lewis, scoring a controversial draw in the first and a decision loss in the second. Next, he engaged in three fights with John Ruiz, winning the vacant WBA belt in the first, losing it in the second with the trilogy ending in a draw. After a technical decision over former champion Hasim Rahman in which The Rock suffered a grotesque hematoma, he dropped three in a row with decision losses to Larry Donald, Chris Bird, and a TKO loss to James Tony. He bounced back with wins over fringe contenders Frez Oquendo and Lou Severis before challenging unsuccessfully for the WBO and WBA titles, losing to Sultan Ibrahimov and Russian giant Nikolai Valuev, respectively. After a two-year hiatus, he returned with a TKO over Francois Botha, a no contest with Sherman Williams and then finally hung up the gloves on May 7, 2011 after scoring a 10th round knockout over Brian Nielsen. One of the most recognizable and likable fighters in boxing history, Holyfield is a hard-hitting, iron-jawed pressure fighter who overwhelms his opponents with volume and grinds them down by imposing his will on them. 
Widely regarded as one of the greatest fighters of all time, Real Deal is the only four-time heavyweight champion as well as the only fighter to be undisputed champion in two separate weight classes. In a battle of legendary former champions, does Belfort have the boxing skills to go along with his age advantage to compete with a living legend? Or does Holyfield at 58 years old still possess the dogged determination and fighting spirit to claim the final victory in one of the most remarkable and decorated careers in the history of unarmed combat? We'll find out Saturday night. All right. I mean, both these guys' careers were started before I was born. I would like to preface this by saying that. Uh, but Vitor Belfort, that knockout of Vanderlei Silva is one of my favorite knockouts of all time. Just him walking forward, punching. This, I what mean. was that, 1999? <laughs> That tale of the tape was more exciting than the uh, the fight's going to be. If there was a profit yes. on that, I, that, I want that. I also noticed that if that heavyweight Francois had a had a um, had a son that married the daughter of Yadenis, that their daughter's last name, if she hyphenated, it, would be both of you guys. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, that really is hilarious. <laughs> Um, this will be a fun fight because I'll be curious to see if, uh, if Vitor Belfort at 44 years old still has the knockout power, because I'm assuming that's what he's going to try to do to beat a Vander Holyfield, who is a grandpa, uh, at nearly 60 years old. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this is like all these other fights where, I mean, I hope guys are kind of like you know, pulling punches a little bit because where's his grandson, Joe, you call him a great, I think he's a great grandpa. Cause where's probably, his grandson? yeah, his grandson's babysitting his, his uh, great grandson. He's really old. I, I listen uh, uh, Evander Holyfield uh, knows how to fight and defend himself. I just, my concern is, you know, Vitor Belfort, you know, most knockouts in, uh, in, in uh, UFC, I, I just I fear he could find that old man if if the hands drop just a little bit at any point. Uh, I don't want to see Evander Holyfield get hurt. I would expect again that he. I mean, the way Evander fought, how many rounds is this disaster? Eight. Four. Too many. Two, I hope. <laughs> Too many. Yeah. Again, that would be my concern. Is you know, can can uh, can Evander at 58 and I'm sure he's in tremendous shape, but still one of these guys take a shot. It'll be curious to see. And that's what I don't like about this is, you know, what are you really getting here? Are, are, you know, are they, are they really going all out or not? Are they going for knockouts? Because it could be dangerous. Exactly. You have to classify this as what it is. Don't piss on us and tell us it's raining. That was not a trick question or a joke, Joe Jace for follow-up bonus points. Where's his grandson? He just got cut by just Elijah got cut by the Eagles. Yes. Elijah oh, no Holyfield from Georgia by Carolina Panthers just got waived by the Eagles two weeks ago. Huh. That you don't say. His grandson is did not yeah. know that. I believe he's a great grandfather. 
I uh, I try not to assume that uh, other professional athletes would say last night. I'm like, there's no way, you know. <laughs> there's no way. I did not know that. Yeah, but uh, too all the Dorsets played. Those were all Tony's son, grandson. Oh yeah, there's so many Dorsets, but <laughs> you know what the real key to this fight is? I, I do think Belfort just the way. He was brought up with that sh- shooter box background in Brazil. I-, I don't see him holding back on any punches. This is a guy that when they sparred in Brazil, him and Vanderlei, they went at it. They were trying to take each other's heads off. I don't, I don't know if Vitor Belfort knows how to spar. I think it's crazy that we're we're entertaining this, but I'll no. take the muscle memory with the boxer. But like Holyfield, you're taking Belfort here. No, the real determining factor, the real determining factor is they're letting Vitor Belfort get back on TRT, get back on testosterone replacement therapy. He's He's coming back, he's gonna come and he's gonna knock out Evander Holyfield because it's a plus 220. Because Belfort's back to being juiced, baby, and that's what that's how he got the belt. Great. Some kind of road rage roid attack against a sixty-year-old man. Nice. Right, that's assault and this battery. Is what we need. This is what Jeez. we need. Senior citizen and a steroid. House. I would have been. I would have been comfortable with this if it would have been Belfort and, and De La Hoya, because De La Hoya is only forty-eight. You know, he's yeah. not. He's not even on Social Security yet. What year were you born, Jace? Ninety-seven. Yeah, see, I would have been comfortable if this happened in 97. Yeah, yeah, this fight would have been great in 97, bro. Great fight in 97. I'd have paid 50, I'd have paid 50 bucks for that. <laughs> All right. I'm sure I had 50 bucks in 97, but moving on. <laughs> hey, it's not just that fight that's uh, on this Legends card. There's another probably more interesting fight, I guess. Two MMA legends going at it. Anderson Silva versus Tito Ortiz. I mean, you have to favor Anderson Silva just because he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest striker in MMA history. But Tito's got that size. Joe, what do you think of this? Well, you know, look, Anderson has had some professional boxing matches going, you know, back in the early 2000s. It's something he always kind of wanted to pursue. Tito Ortiz is, I literally just the other day watched a video called Watch How Stupid Tito Ortiz Is. And it was just all this stupid, you know how dumb he is? And he, you know, tries to like, like talk smack to people. And it's like a four-year-old, like level of intelligence. So, um, yeah, if, if I wanted to start boxing, I would not ask Anderson Silva to be my first opponent. I could tell you that. Yeah, I would ask Nate Robinson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure I could knock out Nate Robinson from everything I've seen now. Yeah. Nate, my dog. I don't like it because of the stoppages. I don't know. That one's so hard to call. Um, I feel like, again, I would have taken Silva the entirety of their lives, but um, Ortiz hasn't been stopped the same ways that Silva has. And these guys trade punches. Yeah, Anderson Silva did just school Chavez Jr. 
is an embarrassment to Mexican boxing. That's hilarious. Thank you. No, I like that we're all on the here. same page now with this. Yeah, I like that. Take Silva here. Expect Silva to come out like a real Brazilian. And get <laughs> I mean, if Tito Ortiz wins this fight, like his career, he's just attacking older legends, like what he did with Chuck Liddell. <laughs> like that was. Yeah, I get it. You, you get whooped, so you just wait till he's old enough so you can take him out, and then you're going to have Anderson's, an old Anderson Silva under your belt. If that's what you want to build your everlasting legacy on, go ahead, take it. The only way Tito Ortiz wins this fight is if Anderson Silva shin snaps at some point in the fight. That's the only hope he has. Otherwise, I, he's going to get a beatdown. Do you guys know who Charlie Zelenoff is? Oh, yes. Yeah, we're getting dangerously close to something like that happening. Who was uh, the movie Man in the Moon? Jim Carrey played the character. It was a boxing Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. You guys are really good at that two-second pop trivia when I can't remember her name. The greatest celebrity ever to come into the world of wrestling, Andy Cole. Yeah, Jared, we love that game. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun for me, too. Because I play that with my wife every night, too. (laughs) Dude, I'm still mad I didn't get Ray Seffo a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one slipped by us. Um... Yeah, so we're getting dangerously close to having a heel-type person come out of this, aren't we? Jake Paul, a lot of people don't like him. Fine. He's cherry-picking a little bit. Fine. But these are professional athletes. These are fighters. These are guys that have been knocked out before. It's not like he's, you know, in some ways, what goes on in some boxing circles even worse. There was a... um, Another uh, uh, a female, I'm not going to be able to come up with her name, but another, just another tragic story that uh, handlers weren't supposed to be. You don't lose 70 fights and get knocked out 18 times. And, you know, we're just, we're just done watching those people fight. I don't know. We got at some point and, and that's what I feel like if we don't classify this as a scrub scrap, you guys are going to get in there and box a little bit and try to put on as good a show you can without hurting each other. That's a scrub scrap. But fine, call it that. Don't tell us you guys are going to fight. Because honestly, Vander Holyfield, I don't want to see you fight. Riddick Bowe is talking about doing this. This is a guy I like. No. I don't want to see you fight, man. I don't want to see you fight anymore. You know, sometimes things, thoughts are jumbled for you already. And that part of your life has kind of passed. I love that you've stayed close to the game that you love. But, man, when those lights turn their back on you, you know, it's, it's, it gets hard to walk away. And a lot of these guys are talking about coming back, and I'm just not sure it's the best thing for them. I'm not sure they've kept their bodies in the type of condition. And how many times do you get the lights turned out at 60 years old before some permanent damage happens and you're not thinking right? How close are we to having like a senior NFL football league where, you know what I mean? You're right. Maybe, maybe some flag football with the old guys, you know, I don't know. Even Hawkins split wide. You want to, you want to see the, the uh, eighties Celtics and the uh, Lakers go at it again in their old age. 
I mean, I think we're getting closer and closer to that. Can these guys get a goddamn job? Be like Magic Johnson. Buy a movie theater, for Christ's sake. Find something to do in your old age. I I don't want to watch old men fight each other, and I don't want to watch old men fight each other if they're not really going to fight. No. So it makes a mockery of fighting. I don't want to see it if they're not going to fight, and if they are going to fight, I don't want to see it. Either way, exactly. something I, I almost feel like that was my first comment on the Holyfield fight is I'm not sure we should be entertaining this at all because it's dangerous. We're getting close to where a guy like me who's who just goes out there and starts winning fights and, hey, who can I beat? Charlie Zellendorf. He got famous. Handing people gloves, and as soon as they get the gloves on, you smack them. Hey, 126-0. Who else yeah. wants them? Just just sneaking people. Have you seen this guy, Joe? Yeah, I hate that guy's guts. Everybody oh. does, but how close are we? How far off are yeah, we? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Can... It's scary. It's uh, stupid. It doesn't I'll make sense. These girls. <laughs> like, well, I... Sean Porter just decides he wants to play the heel and starts calling out Katie Taylor. I'll beat them all up. Then he goes on these Trilla shows and start and calls out Tito Ortiz. Starts beats all four of these guys in succession: Belfour and and Ortiz and Silva. Do we want to watch that? And he's the ultimate heel. I'll beat all your heroes up, all your heroes and all the chicks. Urgh. Like that's, I don't I don't want that because these are human beings. And people people have perished playing this playing this sport, participating in this in this sport. Yeah, you're you're right, and it, it this is going to be Triller Spar Club, not Triller Fight Club. If these guys are home punches, like like uh, the Tyson Holyfield was that one, Tyson Jones, yeah, Tyson Jones, yeah, my bad. Uh, yeah, so I, I I've been saying this. There is a spot for this. It's not in the sport of boxing. It's in sports entertainment. It's in WWE because they're down horrendous right now. AEW's whooping their ass. So they would happily sign Vitor Belfort, Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz, these guys. And, hey, you can get an actual belt around your over your shoulder in that. Just call it what you it ain't is. doing that here. Yeah. So, all right. But, whew. Okay. I think that's going to do it. for. No, oh, you know what? Gonna... One last thought. Dana White, a couple days ago, blamed the media for pointing out and telling his fighters in the UFC that they're underpaid. And to Dana White, I say, go fuck yourself. Pay these guys, you cheap fuck. That's all I got. I mean, people are going to boxing. <laughs> to, to make more money, like the Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz, Vitor Belfort, they're probably going to make more money from this than they would fighting in the UFC right now. And and by the way, uh, I don't have to run a professional fighting organization to know how one works, Dana. That that's an idiotic thing to say. <laughs> These media guys don't know how it works. No, we do. We watch what you're doing. And we see that you're not paying these guys uh, what they should be making. And we pointed that out. Dave Chappelle, they just smoke crack at that Starbucks. Just, you know we can see you, right, Cat? <laughs> yeah. 
You know I can see you from here. <laughs> we yeah. Promoter, promoter Bob Arum telling his fighter <laughs> Terrence Crawford to promote himself better. Yeah, thanks, Bob. You're fired. Fight by knockout. I'm gonna need you to do a few things around the house. <laughs> Go hang a few posters up at the local mall. Here's some flyers. Yeah, I sell mean some tickets. Go stand outside the grocery store and sell tickets. Bud Crawford, you got to do everything you can. Sounds crazy. It isn't like you have this massive media company in ESPN working with you at all. They got to go out and do it themselves, right? Yep. <laughs> but before we end the show, Jared, you making us money with this puncher's chance this week? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I'd if I'd got it in when I wrote it, hell yeah, you would have gotten paid on it. Problem is, um, those fights already happened. Those were Friday, <laughs> one and two o'clock. Take the under in that Oscar Valdez fight at minus one thirty-five, and a guy named Jono Carroll is plus one hundred tomorrow, so that'll pay even money. I like Jono Carroll, and I like the under nine and a half for Oscar Valdez. All right. All right. That's good. And that is going to wrap up throwing jabs this week. Thank you, Joe and Jared, for joining me. It was fun to talk fights on Friday night because now I got all tomorrow to watch college football. And then mm-hmm. eventually sometime, if I got time, watch whatever Holyfield and Belfort was. We're going to have to do this one more time next Friday if you guys can because uh, I am, I'm playing a charity golf tournament tomorrow and I get another one next Saturday and my wife is totally cool with it. But that meant, you know, bumping the show up. So thank you for accommodating me, fellows. Absolutely. Quick question. Do you golf like a real Italian? <laughs> that is offensive. It's very offensive. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Love you guys. All right. Love you too, for throwing jabs. Big shout out to Mosquito Shield for sponsoring this episode. Make sure when you sign up for Mosquito Shield, you tell them throwing jabs sent you. For myself, Big Jace, Joe Guire, Jared Jones, enjoy tonight's fights. Enjoy to the best of your ability tomorrow night's fights. And we'll see you next week for more throwing jabs. Peace out. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest. Top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, locked it in. Every Saturday at 10. The overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eighth and retaliate. Put up your dukes, stick and move. Bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round. Bells ringing. Counterpunch. With your chin tucked and go down swinging We bringing crosses with no worship Hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks When you feel the flurry of curtains From scrub scraps to fight stats Relax if you want the facts Cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group, and here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including.
sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting CloverCrestMedia.com.